Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father, for another opportunity to come into your house and to worship you and to praise you. And thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that you give to us to hear your word. And we pray this morning, Lord, that your word would come down into our hearts and penetrate deeply into our spirit. Lord, speak to us. Speak to us, O oh God. Let us hear your voice this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning on this subject, change is coming. Change is coming. Three questions. What are your expectations for 2019? What are God's expectations for you in the new year? And do your expectations line up with his expectations? Three very important questions as we begin a new year. I'm excited about this teaching this morning because I believe if we hear what God has to say to us methodically, systematically, and spiritually, it could cause great growth in our life as to where we are and to where God wants to take us. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 2, Isaiah speaks and says, Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. Enlarge means to broaden and make large, to open wide. It means to make room for God to work. It means make room for Abba. Who is Abba? Daddy. You've seen that program many years ago, if you're as old as I am, make room for Daddy. God is saying right here, Make room for daddy. And when you begin to look at that one word, enlarge, it starts to bring forth anticipation. And what is anticipation but expectation, hope, and eagerness? You're saying to yourself, what's God going to do? Is he going to put an addition on my spiritual house? Is he going to build another spiritual house? Am I staying where I am? Or am I moving spiritually? He says, anticipation means looking forward to what God is going to do in your life. Faith is involved here. Many people are stuck this morning. They're stuck in their mind. They're stuck in their body. They're stuck in their circumstance. They're stuck in their stinking thinking. Enlarge the place. The place is where you are right now. Where are you right now? 
Everyone has room for growth. I don't care who you are this morning. Where are you? Enlarge the place of what? Of thy tent. God is saying, see it from a distance. God is saying, look out there. I want to give you vision. This is faith in action, seeing the situation clearly as to what God wants to do in your life. A new covering, a new dwelling place. You know what the word tent in Hebrew means? It means a nomad's tent. A nomad is someone that goes from one place to another. It not only means a a nomad's tent, it's symbolic of the wilderness life. And God is speaking so directly right here at this moment and saying, I want to bring you out of the wilderness and bring you in to the presence of the Almighty. I want to move where you are. I want to move you from that position that you are in right now that we hold on to so desperately and so tightly because we think it's secure. This word tent means transient, brief, and short. God doesn't want us to stay in one spot spiritually too long. God is saying, pick up the stakes of your tent and move on to a new home. Coming out and into a new habitation. My wife and I many years ago preached tent revivals. We had a rather large tent in those days that would hold over 300 people. And we went from city to city transporting that tent and putting that tent up. We had no hydraulics in those days. You put an iron pipe through the large poles that were in that tent and a couple of you ran with it and you ran until you put that tent up in the air. There's something about a tent. There's something about a tent revival. There's something about the aura of that spirit that's in there. There's just something about people coming together under the, under the top of a tent and, and saying, we're going to praise God. We must allow God's light to come into us so that we can see and be visionary of what God wants to do with us in 2019. If you want to stay the same old, same old, then you'll stay there. You'll become like moldy bread. And if that's what you want and that's what you accept, that's up to you. I have to move on. I have to find out the depth of his love. I have to find out the depth of his word. And when I allow his light to come in, I find out that I find more about God than I knew yesterday. There has to be an uncovering. There has to be an exposure. There has to be an expansion. There has to be an enlargement. We have to want God to move us from a position to a new place in Him. He says, enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth. What does that mean? Stretch forth. It means to spread out. It means to turn aside from where you are at the present moment. And visionary, looking forward to the new place that God wants to put you in. It means to thrust away from the old way of thinking. Mm. 
The old way of doing things. The old place of living. Where you are going as opposed to where you were. This is what God is saying. I'm trying to bring the church out. I'm trying to bring the church forth. In the Old Testament, God was always trying to bring the church forth. Whether, whether, whether it was Noah's Ark, whether it was the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, God was always trying to deliver His people from Egypt that they might come into the promised land. And it's no different today, my friend. God is trying to bring us out that He might bring us into that new habitation, that canopy, praise God, that tent, that anointing, that Shekinah glory of God that comes down upon us and anoints us and breaks every yoke of bondage. Can you say amen this morning? He says, stretch forth what? The curtains of thine habitations. Where you live right now, break the walls, push out, put on an addition. No. Build a new one. Let's do something different. God is saying, come to the place of rest where you can settle down. Come into the place of newness. Come into the place of peace. Who doesn't need newness this morning? Who doesn't need peace this morning? Who doesn't need rest this morning, my friend? We need to go there. But why do we stay put in our chairs? Why do we stay home? Why do we stay sedentary? Why do we stay stinking, thinking in our mind and thinking that God can't do this anymore? Have we lost our faith? Have we lost our faith? Do we no longer believe in miracles? Have we become just ordinary? I'm not going to become ordinary. I never considered myself ordinary since I came to Christ. I never considered myself ordinary. I always considered that God wanted to do some extraordinary things through my life. And that's my goal and that's my vision. His expectation, God, what do you want in my life in 2019? He says what? He says, stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations and spare not. You know what it means to spare not? Don't withhold. Don't resist. Don't restrain. Don't hold back. Don't keep in check. Refrain from the status quo, my friend, and get up and praise God and get moving for Jesus. People are sitting down on their leaves. Pondering, contemplating, procrastinating. Such identity crisis in the churches. Saul of Tarsus was a mean dude. He helped to incarcerate and kill Christians. But when he came to Jesus, the identity crisis was over. He knew where he came from, he knew where he was, and he knew where he was going. And nothing separated him from the love of God. Not a prison, not a crucifix, not a crucifixion, nothing. Nothing could stop him. Not the seas, not the perils, not robbers, not thieves, not false brethren, nothing could stop him. Why? Because he wanted that new habitation continually. Because he prayed in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him. He wasn't satisfied where he was. He wanted to move on. 
And because he moved on, he wrote much of the New Testament. Because he moved on, he was a great pastor and a great teacher and a great evangelist and a great missionary. Because he was willing to move on in terms of pain and suffering. And he looked it dead in the eye and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I live by the faith of the Son of God and nothing will stop me. Nothing will move me. None of these things move me, he said. We get moved by a cold. We get moved by a wind. We get moved by every little thing that takes us out from the habitation of where God is trying to place his canopy upon us. He says, spare not and lengthen thy cords. You know, when I was studying this out and and looking at this, I, I couldn't help the first time that Jesus came and Peter and the disciples in Luke chapter 5 were catching fish or trying to. And they toiled all night and they took nothing. And they were tired and they were discouraged and they had no fish to sell to pay their bills. And they came and they docked and they tied up their boats to the land. And here comes Jesus and he he walks by and he he says to Peter, "I, I pray thee, can I use your boat for a few moments as a platform to preach? And Peter's looking at this Jesus and he's saying, you want to do what? You know, we're fishermen, we're tired, we're, we're weary, we didn't catch anything. And, and you want to preach? So Peter, he couldn't say no to Jesus. And Jesus stepped in the boat and he started preaching to the people. Mind you, the disciples worked all night and toiled and caught nothing, but they stayed for the sermon. Hear what I said. They stayed for the sermon. And they listened. And Jesus turned to Peter and he said, "Uh, did you catch any fish? And he said, Lord, we toiled all night and we didn't take anything. And Jesus said, take your net and cast it on the other side of the boat. But you know what Peter had to do? He had to cut the shoreline. You see, the boat was docked. You see, we we can just put our our, our foot in the water and, and dangle it and get wet. And that's nice. But you know what? God is saying to the church, cut the shoreline. Put the boat back out into the middle of the sea, into the middle of the lake, even where you failed. Because we fail because of our own inclinations and our own thoughts and our own carnality. We think we're so smart. We think we got this all together. We think we've got this all figured out. And Jesus says, cut the shoreline. Push out into the center of the sea. Peter and the fishermen are looking at him and they're saying, you don't fish in the daytime on the Sea of Galilee because the fish see the nets. He pushed out. This was not carnal thought. This was now spiritual thought that God was trying to cause a transformation in Peter's life. So you have to understand this concept this morning. God is trying to take you from carnal thought, your wisdom, to his spiritual thinking. It was unheard of to go fish during the daytime. It was unheard of. It defied the laws of the fishing industry. 
in those days. But when Jesus comes on the scene and he says, do it this way, and you do it this way, you will be blessed because you did it the way he wanted to do. Listen, our best thinking gets us where we are. And we stay frustrated. We stay discouraged. I hear people say, I'm depressed. I'm down. The devil's on my back. I can't seem to make headway. We got to think about what God is saying this morning. He's saying, cut the shoreline. Get out there deeper to where God wants to bring you. What's he saying? And he's saying this. He says, enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. What does it mean to strengthen? To be strong and to be courageous even in the face of adversity. We don't have to go to the elements of the world when we're getting overwhelmed. We don't have to go to the elements of what the world wants to dish up to us because we're down and discouraged and depressed and we need a little toddy or we need a little pick-me-up. We don't need to do that. We just need to enlarge the place of the tent. And what does he say? And strengthen thy stakes. Listen, when you put up a tent and you pull those ropes and you have a sledgehammer, And you're pounding those stakes into the ground because winds are going to come. And we experienced rains and winds under that tent. Sometimes there were storms that came unexpectedly. And that tent had to weather the storm. And if you didn't prepare that tent correctly and put those stakes in the ground, but now God is saying, pull up the stakes of where you are. Pull up the stakes. This is a new place, a new dwelling, a new habitation. God is saying, I want to bring you out of where you are right now, even if it's a spiritual mountain, and put you on a mountain that's even more spiritual for you. None of us has attained. None of us has arrived. The Bible is trying to say this to us. God is saying to break out. Decline the old way and turn aside from it and venture out and become in me all I want you to be. Make room more for me, God is saying. Make room for daddy in your life. In order for this to happen, if you noticed I read verse 2 first, in that Isaiah 54 and verse 1, in order for verse 2 to happen, Verse 1 has to be fulfilled. It says in Isaiah 54 and 1, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, and break forth into singing, and cry aloud that thou didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. What God is saying here. And I believe he'll allow me to expand. God was saying that the barren, the Old Testament, God gave the Jewish people an opportunity to come to him and to increase their posterity spiritually. But they rejected him. And so God in the New Testament grafted in the Gentiles. And he's saying, I will enlarge the place of my tent 
Not through the Jewish people initially. But now the Gentiles will be grafted into the tree. And we were grafted in. And we received the prosperity and the blessing and the salvation of the Lord. But let me commentate on this verse in terms of where we are this morning concerning verse 2. In order for us to enlarge the place of our tent, God is saying to do this. He said to sing. On Wednesday night, I said, the first thing that the enemy takes away from you when you're going through a trial and a tribulation is your song. You just don't feel like singing. You don't want to hear music. You don't want nobody to put music on. You just don't want to go there. You know why? Because the devil hates good music. He hates Christian music. You see, he was the worship leader. And when they were worshiping God, it got on his nerves. And he decided that he wanted God's job, but he was thrown out of heaven. So how do you think he feels when we come to the house of God and we start to sing? That's why he wants to keep your mouth shut. That's why he wants to close your mouth. Because he doesn't want you to praise him. He wants you to dwell on the habitation that you're living in right now. Feel sorry for ourselves. Stay depressed. Stay discouraged. Let's talk to 15,000 people to see if they have the answer. When God says, just start to sing, praise God. Start to praise me. Start to worship me. Start to love me. And I'll come down on the wings of praise. And I will touch your spirit and touch your heart and touch your soul. He said, sing, old Baron. And it means shout for joy with faith to overcome. Old barren means what? It means to pluck up, root up, dig up, to cut what constrains you. Cut it out. You can't just sit there and feel sorry for yourself. You can't just sit there and do nothing with your life. You can't let life pass you by so quickly. And it goes quickly. God is trying to speak to the church in America. And he's trying to say, O barren, thou that did not bear, break forth into singing. If our lives have been fruitless, God is saying, start to sing, start to worship, and cry aloud. Proclaim. Break forth with a loud noise. People say, well, I'm quiet. Really? Really? If I hit your toe with a hammer, would you stay quiet? I think I'd get some emotion from you. Come on now. It's time we open our mouth. It's time we allow the Holy Spirit to come down deep into our soul so that we can express our adoration and proclaim God and Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It says, cry aloud. What is he saying? It says, thou that did not travail with child. What does it mean? Those that did not bear and you're stuck in one position and you didn't bring forth what God wants you to bring forth. God is saying, I want to change that. I want to give you a posterity. God wants to give us souls. God wants us to speak to others about their eternal life. People are dying every day. People are making a joke about it. I'll take a six-pack to hell. We'll play the jukebox. We'll dance. And meanwhile, those seducing demonic spirits 
Listen, Lucifer had enough influence to take one third of heaven's angels from heaven to become demonic forces. And you think in your stinking thinking or my stinking thinking that I'm going to defeat those demons without the anointing of God and the love of Jesus Christ? He's taking people out every day. 200 a day dying just of drug overdose. A day. Not a week. Not a month. A day. Who are those people? Sons and daughters. Moms and dads. Young and old. And people aren't even alarmed anymore because you know why? We get used to it. It's like going to space. When we put a man on the moon, everybody was glued to the television. How many rockets have you seen on television since then that you looked and said, hey, i got to see this launch today? How many satellites have gone up into outer space where you turned on the television and said, hey, I need to see this satellite go up today? We forget. It's over. It's old news. Something new is going to happen. And we forget where we are. We forget what's going on. I tell people, if a plane exploded in the sky today with 200 passengers, you think that would get someone's attention? It'd be all over the news. But I said, suppose a plane went down again tomorrow. That would be on the news again. There's a plane going down seven days a week, my friend, and 200 people a day are dying, and no one seems to be inquiring why those people are dying. It's an escape. You know, people ask me my thoughts about drug addiction and alcoholism. And I think I blow my mind, blow the minds of people sometimes when I say mine is a very simple concept. Why are people addicts? Because they want to be loved. And when we don't find the proper love, especially with that hole in our heart that we don't come to God, we find other means to substitute. And those drugs become their life. Becomes their wifey. Because now they're hooked. Because that satanic spirit, which you're no match for, encapsulates your mind and makes you believe that the whole world is against you. Nobody loves me. But what I got in my hand, this can make me feel good. What I have in my hand can make me feel the way I need to feel. Because I'm not receiving it from other people. You want to help a drug addict? Hug him. Hug her. Love her. I know it's hard. I know you want to say, look into their face and say, are you so dumb? Don't you know you're going to kill yourself? They already know that. They're beyond that. Now they've been seduced into believing the lie. Because they're stuck in their habitation. They're stuck in their canopy. The stakes in the ground are so far into the ground they can't be removed by themselves. They need help from other people. When Lazarus came out of the tomb, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he was tied up like a mummy. And if you notice, Jesus did not loose him. He did not take away the ropes. He did not take away the napkin over his face or the mummy clothes. But he turned to the people and he said, loose him. Help one another. 
Encourage one another. Be there for one another. Especially when we stumble. Especially when we fall. God desires to remove us from barren thinking and barren doing. He's telling us to sing and rejoice and praise that the constraints that have been upon us will be broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. He desires that we break forth and be removed from the fear and the anguish and the pain. He knows we have anxiously been waiting for our tent to move and to get out from the place where we are into a place of enlargement and a place of encouragement. We gotta get up. We gotta encourage one another. We gotta get in each other's face and we gotta point that finger and say, get on with life and get on with Jesus. Amen. Come on. We've all had setbacks. We've all been in the middle of the rain. Yes. And the referee's standing over us and counting us out for the count. That's right. I've been there. You've been there. Your families have been there. That's it. I'll say one thing. Our pastor instilled in our hearts. I refuse to be defeated. I refuse to be defeated. He put that into our spirit. Tell him he couldn't. And he said, watch me. Tell him he, he couldn't. And said, just keep an eye on me. Because he refused to be defeated. Henry Thoreau said these words. Most men lead lives of quiet desperation. And go to the grave with the song still in them. End of quote. God is saying sing. Even when you don't feel like it. God is saying sing. And praise him. Even when you don't feel like it. Let me read that to you again. Most men lead lives of quiet desperation. And go to the grave with a song that's still in them. What a waste of humanity. What a waste of life. That God breathed into us the gift of life. And we just let it pass by us. I wrote this some time ago. Called to encourage. An unknown author, and I quote this particular sentence. To love someone is to learn the song that's in that person's heart. And to sing it to them when they have forgotten. I'll say that again. To love someone is to learn the song that's in the person's heart. And to sing it to them when they have forgotten. Unknown author wrote that. We have to come into each other's space sometimes. And remind each other of the song that God has placed in our hearts. Okay. Winston Churchill once said, If you have an important point to make, don't try to be subtle or clever. Use a pile driver. Hit the point once, then come back and hit it again, and then hit it a third time, a tremendous whack. We're being too cute in society. We're being too politically correct. The church has been seduced into being careful about what they say and what they preach and what they teach. 
for fear that we might offend someone. What would they do if Jesus came to preach? What would they do if John the Baptist appeared? What would they do if Jeremiah or any of the prophets came to preach the word of God? What would they do? The same that they did in the days of Zechariah. When they heard the man of God preach, they put their fingers in their ears and stopped their ears because they did not want to hear the man of God. Billy Graham once was asked what he thought was the greatest theological thought. And he replied, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Why are we being so cute in the day we're living? Why are we being so politically correct as Christians? Why are we so ashamed of our Christianity? Why are we so ashamed of our salvation? Why are we so ashamed? The world isn't ashamed of doing what they're doing and displaying what they display, but we are supposed to be ashamed because we love Jesus. I wrote this some time ago, and the Lord brought it back to my mind for this sermon. Sometimes in the course of daily life, the hustle and bustle, the duties and responsibilities, the pain and suffering, we forget the song that God put in our heart. The three quotes above remind me that God is the person that sings that song in our heart, especially when life sidetracks us from his love and presence, our busyness, our preoccupations, our restlessness, our struggle with life sometimes superimposes itself so we don't hear God's love song to us. In those moments, God makes an important point in our life by using the pile driver of His voice to speak to us not once, not twice, but three times that He loves us. End of quote. God's going to speak to us even when we don't want to hear it. He's going to convict us even when we don't want conviction. He's going to come to the place in our life where he's going to say, put up or shut up. You can't sit on the fence any longer. We just can't be nominal Christians. We can't just be moderates. Come on, my friend. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? He will spew out the lukewarm from his mouth and vomit us up. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a Jonah type. I don't want to be vomited up on the beach somewhere. I want God's voice to speak to me. Even when I don't want to hear it. Because what he has to say is much more important than my resistance. God desires for his children. What is his desire? That we have a posterity. And he cares about our possessions. Listen to this. In Genesis chapter 9 verse 27. God shall enlarge Japheth. And he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. What was God saying to Japheth? I want to give to you a blessing. I want to expand your possibilities. I want to expand the tent post of your tent. I want to give you a new habitation, and I'm going to push you into the land of Shem. Because I'm going to give it to you. And he had reason. And Canaan, he shall be your servant. What's God saying? He's saying in Exodus 34, 24, he says, For I will cast out the nations before thee and enlarge thy borders. And we're still fighting about the borders of Israel. That God said, this is yours. This is your land. Go in and possess the land. He said in Exodus, 
In Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 20, when the Lord thy God shall enlarge thy border, as he has promised thee, God wants to enlarge your border. You can't stay put. You can't stay stuck. You got to get out of the old carnal way of thinking, of doing things. Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 8 says, And if the Lord thy God enlarge thy coast, as he had sworn unto thy fathers, and give thee all the land which he promised to give unto thy fathers. What is God saying? I want to give you posterity. I want to give you possessions. I want to give you land. Yes. The great prayer of Jabez. First Chronicles 4.10 and Jabez, Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. This is our prayer. This should be our prayer. Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed and enlarge my coast and that thine hand might be with me and that thou wouldst keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. We act like God is cheap. We act like God is stingy. We act like God has one package of hot dogs in heaven to distribute to the whole world. He's a generous God. He's a loving God. And he wants to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. We just don't believe like we used to in the church. We have to have worship leaders work it up. Come on. We have to have worship leaders work it up, work it up. You don't work this up. This comes from above. The wisdom of the world you work up. But not the wisdom of heaven. Psalm 18.36 says this, Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, that my feet did not slip. God will enlarge so you don't slip. God will expand so we don't fall. He says in Psalm 118 and 5, I called upon the Lord in distress, and the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. Coming out of distress, coming out of that tent, coming out of that habitation, coming out of that canopy of depression and discouragement. And what does he say, the psalmist? That God set me in a large place. I love my house. It's a large house to me. I love a large family room and dining room. Just something about space. Just something about mowing a couple of acres of land. Just something about getting on your tractor and thanking God for your possessions and thanking God for your posterity and thanking God for what he's given to you. Thanking him because all wealth comes from God. And he gives you the wisdom on how to deal with that wealth. And God is saying in the Old Testament, I wanted to bless my people. I wanted to give them land. I wanted to give them possessions. I wanted to give them a posterity. But they were fighting me. They were rebellious. They were stubborn, stiff-necked. I sent the prophets to them, and they killed the prophets. (laughs) To me, it's now or never. We're never going to pass this way again. Listen to me. Esther chapter 4 verse 13. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther. 
Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Esther chapter 4 verse 13 and the message version it says, Mordecai sent her this message. Don't think that just because you live in the king's house, you're the one Jew who will get out of this alive. If you persist in staying silent at this time like this, help and deliverance will arrive for the Jews from someplace else. But you and your family will be wiped out. Who knows? Maybe you were made queen for just such a time as this. What is he saying? Step up, Esther, and others will be blessed. What's he saying? Step up, Esther, and the Jews will be salvaged. Keep quiet, and I will bless others. But you and your relatives will die. What's he saying? It's no different today. We are the Esthers. We are the Esthers of today. And this is our time. This is our moment. This is the moment of the church. That we should allow the spirit of the living God, not man's wisdom, but the spirit of the living God to come down and touch us like we've never been touched before. Not a program. Not some prescribed this or prescribed that. But coming to the house of God like the Azusa Street Revival in the early 1900s where people did not know what was going to happen from one church service to the next. But they came hungry. They came thirsty. They came because the canopy that was above them, nominal Christianity, whether it was in Kansas or Texas, they went to California and they found a group of people in this building that were on fire for God. They came because they wanted more. The Russian Pentecostals came from Russia and heard them praying in tongues and praying in the Holy Spirit. And they said, that's the same thing that happened to us in Russia during the persecution. Listen, my friend, the old way of doing business is going by the wayside. The new way of doing business for God Jesus was born of a virgin, died on the cross and rose again on the third day, needs to be risen up again one more time in the earth, not just during Christmas time, not just during Easter time, but my God at our tables, in our homes, in our bedrooms, praise God, hallelujah, on our jobs, in our workplace, in our employment, in our friendships. We need to let people know that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords and he's Lord of our lives. We should not be ashamed to say grace in a restaurant. We should not be ashamed to pray in a hospital over a brother or a sister. We should not be ashamed if nurses are behind us. We should pray again and pray again and pray more. Even if it's in another tongue, who cares what people think? Praise God. They don't sign your paycheck. Praise God. They don't drink coffee with you. Praise God. We've got to be about our father's business. Come on. I want to close. And if you notice, I've prepared some scrolls here this morning in these baskets that each one can receive. 
Some time ago, God gave me a prophecy. And prophecies don't die. They stay alive. I don't want to give you this prophecy that God gave to me. And it goes so well with this sermon. That we have to sing. We can't be content where we are. We can't be stuck. We can't do business the old way that didn't bring fruit. Prophecy is this. I see a coming out. A coming forth from the place you were or the place you are to the place of being. The place of life. New life. I am removing the restraints that hold you back. That keep you from moving forward. This is your time, your hour, your moment. I desire to break the hold of fear, anguish, and despair from your life. I desire to unshackle your spirit. It is as if a snake has constricted your spirit and caused you to lose your breath, your joy, your praise. The snake has caused a spirit of suffocation in your life. You find yourself trying to catch your breath in the natural but that's only indicative of trying to catch your breath in the spiritual. I will remove the tent posts of your tents and enlarge your place of habitation if you let me. Come unto me and I will offer you new life and prosperity in body, soul, and spirit. You have been encased by your own emotions and I desire to bring you forth in song and praise. Your joy will once again rise to the mountaintop and your praise will be heard in the horizon. I love you so dearly and my heart is enlarged toward you as I have seen your despair and discouragement. I have heard your cry and I will bring you forth into the land of living, into my spirit of resurrection. Don't beat yourself for being stuck. I have kept you even there by my spirit. Now it's time to move on and make up for lost time. You see, time is short, and I will do a quick work in the lives of those who allow their spirit to align with me. There is no reason to stay in the place of yesterday, because now you can come into my presence and be in the place of my spirit. I will cover you and hide you in the secret place and nourish you to go forth like a mighty wind, like a ferocious lion, like a mighty army. Come with me. Follow me and you will not be disappointed. Stay stuck and you will die in your despair. Fight. Take hold of my hand and allow me to continue and complete your journey. Choice is involved here. Choose life or choose death. End of prophecy. God is speaking. It's a new year. And change is coming. Whether we like that change or not. It's coming. And when change comes from him, it's a good thing. I said when change comes from him, it's a good thing. The road is turning in a new direction. And we must embrace that road and embrace that direction. Because God is leading us. The cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night was symbolic of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. That Holy Spirit has fallen on the day of Pentecost. And that Holy Spirit should be possessed by its people in every Pentecostal church in America. We've lost the power. We've lost the spirit. 
We've lost our way. And it's time for some of the old ministers. It's time for those that are considered dinosaurs to raise their voice one more time in the church and say, listen, I was there. I experienced this. I know the power of the Holy Ghost, whether it was in the tent, whether it was in a church in the country or some large church. My God, I have known the power of the Almighty. I've seen miracles and healings. I've seen God do things that astounded me as God was performing those miracles. My friend, it's time. I said it's time. It's time to get out of being stuck. It's time to rise. It's time to come into the resurrection power. It's time to mount up. Praise God. It's time to get back on the saddle. It's time to get back on our horse. It's time to ride for Jesus. Hallelujah. Because he's coming back, my friend. I said he's coming back. And when he comes back, hallelujah, praise God, he's going to give you a horse one day. And you're going to ride upon that horse and praise God. Hallelujah. He will be the leader on his horse and the blood will come up to the bridle of the horse. But thank God it will not touch us. Thank God because we're blessed. We're ordained and we're the chosen of Almighty God. We are the chosen of Almighty God this morning. God bless you and thank you for listening.